the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the, let's see, Tuesday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. Today and for the remainder of the week, we're going to be giving away a pairs of tickets to Thrive, a girls' night out. We'll tell you more about that uh, for those of you who, um, you know... We want to join us for a great evening. And uh, again, I'll tell you more about that uh, shortly. Also, we're going to talk with Pastor Greg Allen. He's the pastor at uh, Bethany Bible Church. He's uh, the start of something of a short series of pastors and uh, Bible teachers and leaders in our community who are going to be reflecting on various aspects of Scripture as it relates to the birth of Christ. And we'll begin with uh, Pastor Greg Allen. We're focusing our attention on Simeon and Anna, whose brief stories are part of the Christmas story. He'll be joining us in our next segment right up till the top of the hour. And then in the 5 o'clock hour, I'm looking forward to talking with uh, Pastor Scott Gilchrist from Southwest Bible Church. We're going to talk about some of the uh, encounters that key players had with angels. There was Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and I would go so far as to say the Magi had a rather interesting encounter of their own, perhaps not with angels, but uh, with a king who sought a very different outcome uh, of the uh, the meeting they would ultimately have with the Savior. So we'll talk with Pastor Scott Gilchrist about that, and also make sure you know all the important details about the downtown Bible class. They're holding their annual Christmas celebration that's coming up tomorrow at the Portland Art Museum, and we'll give you those uh, details as well. So looking forward to focusing the majority of our attention today on the Christmas story and the season that we uh, find ourselves in uh, as we anticipate the celebration of Christ's birth. First, a quick look at some of the news. The House today approved a massive tax overhaul that would usher in steep rate cuts for American companies, double the deductions uh, millions of families claim on their annual returns, and make a host of other changes as part of the biggest rewrite of the tax code since the Reagan administration. The bill passed 227 to 203, the $1.5 trillion bill. Uh, uh, presuming it uh, clears the Senate as expected, and that vote could come as early as this evening, would hand President Trump his first major legislative victory just days before year's end and the congressional recess. Today, we are giving the people of this country their money back. That's a quote from House Speaker Paul Ryan declaring today on the House floor that uh, the legislation, at least from the House standpoint, had passed. At an earlier press conference, he said families at every income level uh, get a tax cut, vowing a family of four taking the median income would see a tax cut worth $2,000. This is real relief, and people are going to see this in their paychecks before too long, Ryan said. This is the greatest example of a promise being made and a promise being kept, end quote. Today, we're giving the people of this country their money back. 
Well, Democrats sustain their uh, vocal opposition to the bill, which they've dubbed a scam, benefiting the wealthy into the final moments before the vote. Protesters were also escorted out after the uh, after shouting, you're lying during Ryan's floor speech. Ryan, Trump and other supporters countered that criticism by claiming this bill will unleash economic growth. The speaker led a round of applause on the House floor minutes before the vote while thanking the architect, Representative Kevin Brady, a Republican out of Texas, chairman of the Ways and Means Committee. The floor action came after GOP leaders worked to win support from the last remaining holdouts on the Senate side. Uh, Senator Marco Rubio, Rubio of Florida, Bob Corker of Tennessee, backed the bill last week, while Sean, um, or rather Susan Collins of Maine and Mike Lee of Utah endorsed it last Monday. Barring any un- unexpected reversals, the bill is expected to narrowly pass in the Senate in a matter of uh, hours. Meanwhile, apparently the House needs to vote again on that sweeping tax bill over some procedural snag. The House Republicans approved the uh, changes to the U.S. tax code today, but they're going to have to vote again due to that procedural snag. Lawmakers have been uh, barreling toward the GOP goal of passing the first major tax overhaul in decades by the end of the year, but that goal will have to be delayed for a short time. The plan passed, as I mentioned, 227 to 203, the Republicans erupting into cheers while the bill garnered enough sport, uh, support. Uh, Twelve Republicans, uh, all from high-tax blue states, opposed it. And once the House votes again to pass the tax bill, it will be it will send rather the broadly unpopular measure to the Senate, where Republicans are expected to push it through um, by Wednesday morning, no later than, perhaps much earlier than, with Senate passage. The legislation will go to President Trump to sign it into law. Well, the Amtrak train on its inaugural run of a newly opened faster rail line careened off the tracks near Olympia early yesterday, sending rail cars off an overpass onto rush hour traffic on Interstate 5 in a derailment that killed at least three people. That's down from six, the number we had heard all day yesterday. Um, scores were injured and others uh, 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 drivers and uh, those who were on the train. Uh, and there was uh, debris that littered the freeway and nearby woods with a twisted chain of wreckage. Aside from the dead, about 80 people suffered injuries ranging from minor scrapes to life-threatening wounds and were taken to various hospitals for treatment. Passengers who survived the deadly wreck and motorists who witnessed it later recounted a surreal domino effect as one by one, 13 of the train's 14 rail cars toppled from the tracks with parts of the train left dangling from the uh, railway span. Shortly after 7.30 a.m., the Portland-bound train had just come out of a curve when it plunged off the track with nearly 80 passengers, seven crew members aboard along a stretch of the just-open Point Defiance bypassed in DuPont. As the train's locomotive and trailing uh, rail cars spilled off the tracks, they slammed into a semi-truck and a tractor-trailer as well as five other vehicles that had been heading down the freeway toward Olympia during the busy morning commute. Officials didn't immediately say what caused the crash though experts and witnesses speculate the train's speed was a factor. Only the train's rear locomotive remained on the tracks. A late-night news conference by the National Transportation Safety Board officials verified the train was going 80 miles per hour in a 30-mile-per-hour zone. Officials said they had no other information at that time. Emergency medical responders uh, battled stalled traffic stretches for, uh, stretching rather for miles from the crash site to take the injured to hospitals in Tacoma, Lakewood, Gig Harbor, Olympia, 
And at nearby Joint Base Lewis-McChord, a number of the injured had been treated and released as of uh, yesterday afternoon, but others were, weren't quite so fortunate. At least five people taken to um, Madigan Army Medical Center had been admitted to the intensive care unit, according to a statement from that hospital. Three patients underwent orthopedic surgery at Providence St. Peter Hospital in Olympia. Two others were uh, with severe injuries were still being treated late uh, yesterday at St. Joseph Medical Center in Tacoma. The train's conductor and engineers survived but were disoriented at the scene. Amtrak Cascade Train 501, among a fleet of high-speed passenger trains that travel daily between British Columbia and Eugene, Oregon, departed Seattle for Portland at 6 a.m. The train stopped at the uh, new passenger uh, station at uh, Freight House Square near the Tacoma Dome before heading south on the newly opened Point Defiance bypass route. The train was next heading into a curve with a uh, posted 30-mile-per-hour limit just southwest of the Eagles Pride Golf Course between Lakewood and Olympia near the Nisqually River Delta. Moments before the wreck, speeds, uh, speeds were gauged at 81 miles per hour. The maximum allowed speed along that newly rebuilt stretch of, of track is 79, but the route also includes a number of areas where the speeds are limited below that maximum, according to statements issued by Sound Transit on Monday afternoon. Speed signs are posted and engineers are trained to slow according to the posted signs, the transit agency added. In the stretch of track where the train derailed, an engineer faces the uh, challenge of decelerating over a short distance when approaching the curve of the bike pass. Amtrak officials said the uh, automatic speed limiting technology known as positive train control was not in operation at the time of uh, train 501's derailment. Federal safety officials have been pushing for the implementation of those control systems for years, including in 1993 after a head-on crash between freight trains killed five crewmen in Kelso. Congress ordered in 2008 that they be in use by the end of 2015, but the mandate on train controls has been delayed until the end of 2018. Lawmakers have also left open the possibility of another delay until 2020. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear from Pastor Greg Allen. Simeon and Anna, what part did they play in the unfolding story, the drama surrounding the birth of Christ? You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. In the second chapter of Luke, the 25th verse, it says this, Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you, have, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and the sword will pierce your own soul too. Now there was a prophet also, there also was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was eighty-four. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. 
Coming up to them at the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Reading from the second chapter of the book, The Gospel of Luke. Well, as you know, for these uh, last uh, couple of days, we, I should say today and tomorrow, we've been uh, calling upon local pastors and uh, and leaders in the community to focus on some passages in Scripture that help us better understand and appreciate the celebration of the coming of the Savior, Jesus Christ. We celebrate Christmas, um, and while that date, that time of year may not be the time that it occurred, it is an historical fact, and we look at Scripture to help inform us of what went on around, before, during, and after those events. Well, joining me in studio right now is uh, Pastor Greg Allen. He's with Bethany Bible Church, and it's become something of a custom to have you here in studio to help us uh, look at Scripture at this time of year. So first of all, I just want to thank you not only for being here today, but for faithfully proclaiming the gospel at Bethany uh, Bible Church uh, for many years now. It's It's a pleasure to have you back. Well, thank you again for having me. I'm always interested in the cast of characters that surround the Christmas story, and Simeon and Anna are two of them that uh, perhaps we don't spend a whole lot of time uh, talking about. But let's begin with uh, with Simeon. Um, we don't know much about him, but what do we know? And, uh, you know, it's always important when it's included in Scripture, someone's uh, story, we want to pause for a moment and, and pay attention. Tell us what we know about Simeon. Well, not much. <laughs> we <laughs> know his name. Much. We know his name. Yeah, it was easy. Well, uh, one of the things that really fascinates me about a story like this is that God can tell us so much about so many things, and when he tells us something in the scriptures, because the Bible's a pretty small book, really, it must be important. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is we're not told anything really about the background information of this man, Simeon. We're not told what he did for a living. We're not told that he was a priest. We're not told how old he was. We have this picture in our mind, maybe because of the paintings and all We think of him as an old man, but we're really not told how old he was. And all of that important background information seems to be missing. But it's interesting to me that we're told a few very important things. We're told that he was a just and devout man, that he loved God and he worshipped him. We're told, interestingly, that he is waiting for the consolation of Israel, uh, which is another way of speaking of the Messiah. Uh, If I may, that word consolation is the word uh, is a word in the original language that's related to the word uh, that we often refer to the Holy Spirit, the Paraclete. Mm-hmm. So it's comforter. So he's speaking of the consolation or the comfort of Israel, which is another name for the Messiah. So here's a man who's devout and holy. He's watching and waiting for the coming of the Messiah. It tells us, I would love to have this about me in the Bible, wouldn't you? that the Holy Spirit was upon him, and he did what the Holy Spirit said. He said, go here. He went there. He went wherever the Spirit of God said. And so it's interesting that the Bible doesn't tell us a lot of the background information, but what's important to God about this man is that he's devout, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's looking for Jesus Christ. That's what he's watching for. Mm. So, I mean, how much more do you need to know about a man, really? Well, that tells us something, of, as you just mentioned, what's important to God. He chose to mention those things that were important to him. Now, he's about to have an important encounter with uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Joseph, her betrothed. Um, they were at the temple because the, the time for purification rites uh, had come. Tell us a little bit about what they were there to do and why it was important for them to be there at that time. Okay, well... In the book of Exodus, chapter 13, it tells us that every 
child, uh, the firstborn child, is to be devoted to God. That was back in the Exodus, the story of the deliverance of the people of Israel. And God told the people of Israel that the firstborn belonged to him. And so Jesus was the firstborn child of Mary and supposedly uh, of, of Joseph as well. And uh, so in obedience to the scriptures, they took Jesus to the temple to devote him uh, to the Lord. Uh, he had already been circumcised. So this was about a month or two, somewhere in the middle of the second month after he was born that they brought him. So he's just still a very tiny baby. And they brought him to uh, perform not only uh, that dedication of him to the Lord, but also to complete the ceremonial uh, commandments of the Lord regarding Mary's cleansing after the birth of a child. And so uh, 33 days after uh, his circumcision, that's when they would bring him. And uh, it's interesting that the Bible tells us in, I think it's Leviticus chapter 12, that they're to bring certain offerings for a child if they're to bring a, a lamb and then a turtle dove and a pigeon. If they're too poor to bring a lamb, they may bring two turtle doves and two pigeons. And that's what we're told that Mary and Joseph brought, which tells you that our Savior was born into a poor family, mm -hmm. but a devout family, a family that was obedient and did what God commanded with what they had. And uh, so that's why they were there. Well, there was a great sense of, of wonder, I'm certain, for both Mary and Joseph, having been visited by the angel and uh, told what was uh, what was to come. And now they have an encounter with a man I'm guessing they knew nothing about, Simeon, who was there in the temple. Tell us what the scripture tells us about that encounter and why Simeon approached them. Well, I love to fantasize this story a little bit. I don't ever want to add to it, you know, but, but I can't help but imagine a little bit. But here's a man who's whole life, it would seem, he's waiting for the, the Messiah to come. But I said earlier, I don't know if he's an old man. He, he might have been. But one thing we know about him is that he was close to death. And it might have been that he was ill. It might have been that something was wrong, uh, that he knew he was close to dying. But he knew that there was a promise that God had given him. It tells us in, uh, in uh, verse 26 of Luke chapter 2, that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. In a sense, then, no matter what might be going on, he might have been old, he might have been sick, he was pretty much invincible <laughs> until he would get to see the Lord Jesus Christ. And it may be that he knew the time was coming. He, he knew that death was imminent. So he was uh, ready to uh, watch for the Messiah. And uh, apparently, we don't know the story again here, but you can just imagine it, that the Holy Spirit might have woken him up one day and said, Simeon, today, I want you to go to the temple. I have something special for you. Mm -hmm. And he obeyed. Uh, I can throw in a little lesson in here. When the Holy Spirit tells you to go to church, go. You never know what you might miss. But he uh, went in obedience to the Holy Spirit's command, went to the temple, and perhaps he's just on heightened alert. He's just watching around and looking at all the things that might be happening. And I wonder if the Holy Spirit didn't graciously tap him on the shoulder and say, Simeon, do you see that little baby over there? That's him. That's him. And what wonder that must have impacted mm. him. Uh, I, I, and again, I'm imagining, but thinking of the approach, here's Mary and Joseph in the temple, and there's a lot of activity. There's lots of people and uh, this man slowly creeps up to them, shyly, perhaps uh, greatly impacted emotionally. And he said, can, can I look at your baby? And every new parent loves that, right? You go into a restaurant and everybody, oh, look at the baby. They want to look at the baby. So they hold 
baby Jesus up proudly. And this man is looking strange. He's not like other people. He's not just smiling at this baby. He's crying. And uh, he says, well, again, again, I'm imagining here, you know, speculating a bit, but he said, what's the baby's name? And when they told him his name, he must have been even more overcome because his name is Jesus, which means Yahweh saves. And it's all becoming confirmed to this man. And then he says, may I hold your child? And at this point, they're a little, uh, little cautious of this strange emotional man, but they put the baby in his arms. And then he says this marvelous thing that you have to say is a work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to hear what uh, Simeon had to say in just a moment, but as radio requires, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back again. We're talking with uh, Pastor Greg Allen from Bethany Bible Church. We're talking about the second chapter of Luke in which um, Mary and Joseph take Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as is the the custom when is required every firstborn, and they encounter Simeon. When we return, we'll find out what Simeon had to say and what that says to us about the Messiah. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Pastor Greg Allen is with me here in studio, and we're focusing our attention on the second chapter of Luke. We're starting right around the 22nd verse. And uh, we've been talking about Simeon, who is a, a, a righteous man by uh, the account of Scripture, who is uh, having an, a, an encounter with Mary and Joseph. He is now holding the child he has longed to see in his arms. And just before the break, uh, you were about to tell us what Simeon says, and more importantly, what that uh, what he says means uh, in terms of confirming that this is, in fact, the Messiah and that God had kept his promise. Well, one of the things that I think about in, in terms of what this man Simeon says is that clearly he's speaking under the inspiration and the power of the Holy Spirit. His witness, then, of who Jesus is from his words is authoritative to us and uh, tells us more than anyone else's speculation or, or just uh, you know, personal thoughts about who Jesus is. This man is telling us important information of Jesus. And if we were to have him here, of course, I would shut up and let him talk, right? But if we were to say, what uh, do you want to tell us about Jesus? I see three things, Mm -hmm. three very important things. First of all, he would say that he's the salvation from God. Because if you remember his words, he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. And there's a great significance in that. Um, first of all, he's saying here that Jesus is the salvation prepared from God. So Jesus Christ is the provision of salvation from God. I think here of what the apostle Peter once told to his fellow Jewish kinsmen. Uh, he said that there uh, is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. Christ alone. And so this man in the power of the Holy Spirit holds this child and thanks God and declares, this is, the pro- this is the salvation that God has prepared. Not that we've prepared, but that he's prepared for us. And you think of that word preparation, there's a lot of meaning in that. Um, it's a preparation that God has made, of course. It's a person. It's not just a mere system. It's not just a mere religion. Our salvation is a person. And that person has been prepared in that he existed forever as the second person of the triune Godhead, but in a point of history became one of us, born into the human family, born just like any of us. As it says in the scriptures, a body thou hast prepared me, as Jesus uh, is, is there saying that it, it was God's preparation of him 
born into the human family to take our sins for uh, take our sins upon himself interesting too that it says that this is a preparation prepared before the face of all people not hidden mm-hmm. jesus christ is declared around the world i always like to point out that that declaration was to go from jerusalem to judea and samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth and i love it that we're sitting here in the remotest part of the earth from jerusalem i mean it happened and so that's where we're doing it um he goes on to say also that uh, Jesus is the light of revelation. He says that this is a salvation which God prepared before the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Uh, Jesus' walk on this earth is not just simply uh, a matter of time past of, of just living, but it was a matter of declaring and sharing and proclaiming light into this world. Uh, many of us will remember Isaiah chapter 9. We often read this passage during Christmas season. And there, this is what it says. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, in the Galilee of the Gentiles. He says, the people who walked in darkness, the Galilee of the Gentiles, that's where our Lord Jesus lived and ministered. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And Jesus Christ, as Simeon says, is a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Says in John chapter 1, that he is the light which is the life of men. And uh, a third thing that he says, very important about the Lord Jesus Christ, is that he's the glory of Israel, which might surprise some people because they think of Jesus as the Gentile religious figure. But here we're told that he's the glory. Simeon held that child up and said that he is the glory of your people, Israel, O God. Jesus Christ is the glory of Israel. They may not recognize that yet, but one day they will. It tells us in Acts chapter 4 that he is the stone rejected by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. It tells us in the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 12, that the day will come when all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication will come upon them when they will look upon me whom they've pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Jesus is then the salvation from God. He is the light to the Gentiles. He is the glory of Israel. And this all comes to us in a very authoritative way. And it's interesting to consider that um, we're talking about a man, Simeon, who was led by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple. He has an encounter with this couple who are bringing for the first time Mary's firstborn son for the purification required under the law. And seeing in the face of this infant uh, and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is able to declare all that the Messiah uh, is um, and was, if you if you consider uh, equality with God. It's a fascinating thing that he was able to see in that child um, all that the Messiah um, was and and was uh, planning to do mm-hmm. uh, in fulfilling God's purpose. And I'm glad that he declared it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Well, he went on from there um, uh, to speak to Mary, his mother. And while I'm sure the two of them were marveling over the things that were said about their son, the words that he had for Mary um, must have been somewhat disquieting because it it. Uh, puts into context the challenge that Jesus would face and the pain that Mary would bear uh, because of her son fulfilling what God had intended for him, saying this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too, referring 
uh, to Mary. These had to be very sobering words for her. Well, and of course that happened. You can remember that Mary was at the cross, Mm -hmm. beholding her son die for her sins. But I think it's interesting, too, that uh, Simeon, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, points out that this child is a... Uh, puts everyone at the crossroads. What will you do with Jesus Christ? Um, He has come into the world. He's the savior of mankind. Will you reject him? Will you receive him? Will you worship him? Will you scorn him? What Jesus is puts everyone at the fork of the road and they must decide what they will do with him. And that decides really who they are and what their destiny is. Not just for Israel, but really for all, every person. Um, One of the things that's interesting to me, if I may point it out, please, is that it tells us in verse 33, with all of these things being said, that Mary and Joseph marveled at the things which were spoken of him. If you think of your child being held and somebody talking this way about him, uh, what's interesting to me is already, they'd already known about it. The angel came and told them that, uh, you know, that he was being conceived in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit. The uh, wise men, we always think of three, there might have been many more, came and brought gifts to him and worshipped him as king. The shepherds came running and told them what they saw at the birth of Jesus. And they had all of this experience, and yet here's Simon, Simeon saying these things, and it says that they still marveled. Mm-hmm. And I thought about all of the people listening to us right now, getting ready for Christmas, used to it. They've heard the story a million times, and they've seen Charlie Brown's Christmas special, and they know all this stuff. And yet they don't marvel at it anymore. Mm. Here's Mary and Joseph who have been given the front row seat, as it were, to the incarnation, and they still marveled. Uh, That's what I long for. I want to marvel still. Yeah. I want to be captivated by that marveling. Now, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. Now, I, I find it fascinating that this woman who had been widowed for many, many years, who spent much of her time, if not all of her time at the temple, um, she too had an encounter with Mary and Joseph, and more importantly, with the child, that it's mentioned here, and that um, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. We know very little about Anna. No, but what a coincidence that she showed <laughs> up right then, huh? Uh, well, again, she's someone that we may not know a lot of the background information, but we sure know a lot that's pretty wonderful and amazing. Well, I tell you what, we're going to take a break, but we'll continue to talk a little bit about her in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Pastor Greg Allen is with me in studio, and we're talking about the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke, in which uh, details following the birth of Jesus are recorded. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. With me in studio, Pastor Greg Allen. He is the pastor of Bethany Bible Church. And we're talking about the second chapter of Luke. We began about 20, verse 22, working our way down through to its end. We had mentioned um, that Anna was very old. We know that she at least was very old. It's what the scripture said. She'd lived with her husband for about seven years. After her marriage, she was then widowed, and she spent a lot of time in the temple. She was 84, which at that time... Um, is a very old age. I mean, today it's it's fairly common, but uh, back then to live to be 84 was uh, quite something. She never left the temple. She worshipped night and day. She fasted and prayed. And one wonders, was she fasting and praying for the Messiah? Well, she too has an encounter with uh, Mary and Joseph, uh, which is uh, recorded here. Do We don't know much more about uh, Anna Um, but we do know something of the fact that she had an encounter with Jesus. Well, let's consider the things that we do know. Yes. Um, Well, she's the daughter of Fanuel. I guess that doesn't really (laughs) help me much. I'm not sure who Fanuel was. 
But uh, apparently the people to whom Luke wrote would have known. So she was a person of significance because she was from an important family background. And we're told very clearly that she was a prophetess, uh, meaning that she had uh, she was recognized as someone who would give forth a word from God. Uh, she lived a holy life, apparently. Uh, she uh, lived in her widowhood for many years. And I would say that she might have been somebody that was thought of as a, a, a kind of a a figure in the, the temple. When people would walk by in the temple, old Anna would wave at you and, how's your mother, you know? And she would uh, uh, kind of tell you, be sure to take care of yourself and eat well, you know? And she would uh, just be kind of a mom type. That's the imagination I had. But she came at just this sudden moment. She came with a lot of credibility. People had a lot of respect for who she was. They recognized that when she spoke, you listened, um, probably from natural disposition, but also from clear spiritual authority. And coming, and it says in the scriptures, in that instant, and the translation that I'm using, just as Mary and Joseph heard these words from Simeon, she then comes and gives thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all who looked for redemption in Israel. In other words, she was walking around pointing to to Jesus. Uh, Simeon had the Holy Spirit tell him, but everybody else had Anna (laughs) telling, here's Jesus over, this is the redemption of Israel. You've heard me tell you stories. You've heard me read you the scriptures from when you were little in, in, in Saturday school class. Well, here is Jesus. Here he is. This is the one that I'm talking about. And she pointed him out. Perhaps not everyone was looking for him, but to those who were looking for redemption in Jerusalem, looking for salvation from their sin. Um, what a model she is then. She's what we ought to be doing this Christmas. She ought to be a model for us of pointing other people to Jesus Christ, all who look for redemption. You know, I wonder if uh, part of the reason she was able to recognize him certainly was the testimony uh, that she may have overheard um, from Simeon, but also she worshiped night and day. Mm -hmm. She fasted and she prayed. She sought the Lord. She spent time in his presence. She acknowledged him. She worshiped him. So her heart was prepared um, to, to recognize the Messiah when he came. And so she was granted the privilege of of having that encounter while he was yet a child, and she probably uh, didn't live much longer to to learn anything of the the ministry that he would engage in once he he reached his thirties. Uh, but there she had this encounter with Christ. She was seeking him. She was worshiping the Lord, and she recognized him. And and you'd have to say if anybody, if God would speak to anybody about who Jesus was, it would have been her because she was clearly listening. Mm-hmm. You know, but what a a period to her life. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm reminded of the lyric that's very familiar, let every heart prepare him room. And that's the the joy that we have now is to not just prepare our homes and put up the stuff and bake and do all that, but to prepare our hearts. Someone asked me just yesterday, are you ready for Christmas? And it's been such a a busy time. I said, you know, my heart is ready. I don't have any decorations up. I haven't bought any Christmas presents, but my heart is, I'm preparing room in my heart for him. And my thoughts turn to him and and who he is and what God has done for us in the incarnation. Um, But I I think it's important for us to let our hearts prepare him room. I I think that's uh, the great lesson of this passage, Mm -hmm. because... Uh, right now, you know, I, uh, on Sunday morning at our church, I asked how many of you are, are feeling stressed, and a surprising number of hands were raised. And that doesn't seem to me to be the idea that God had when he originally told us the story of the birth of the Savior in this world, that we would be stressed about it with a bunch of stuff that we have to do. But, uh, and, and it's not going to get done, and frankly, if a lot of it doesn't get done, I don't think anybody's going to be grading us. It's okay. 
But if we miss this, if we miss just what you've yes. described, preparing our heart to welcome him, to, to do as Simeon did and say, thank you, Lord, to, to praise him as Anna did, and, and, and most of all, Mary and Joseph, to be captivated, captivated again by a sense of marvel at the story of who Jesus is and what he's done. If we've missed that, then all the rest of it is is, is meaningless. Absolutely. And I, I would add to that that we have the opportunity, as Anna took opportunity, to tell others, um, this is the Messiah. Many of our neighbors and coworkers and friends have no idea. For them, it's mustering up the a level of activity and frenzy mm-hmm. um, to try to create a warm and, f- and, and f- um, friendly environment for a, a period of time only to have the letdown at the end yeah. when the, the lights are out and the mm-hmm. tinsel is taken down. And yet we have a message of uh, the gospel and uh, we too can point to Jesus and say, this is the Messiah. So I, I hope we'll also take that opportunity, which means we need to be in worship and we need to be praying and and fasting during this season as well, looking for opportunity to declare his glory. That's right. I, I think the the sentimentality of it is important. We, I love all the stuff. I know you do too. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, if that's where all of our focus is on, that sentimentality is going to fade away. I was thinking on the way here and praying about our time together. And one of the things that really came to mind is, is that Christmas, as we're seeing it described in the story of Anna and Simeon, is a worldview. It's not just an event. It's not just a holiday. It's a whole worldview. It's the foundational event of our worldview. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't, if it's not held by us in that way, then the joy of it fades as mm. soon as all the stuff is taken down. But every single day we live in the light of the fact that God became one of us and became our Redeemer. That ought to be coloring every aspect of life. And if it does, then we'll have that On joy. December the 25th, on <laughs> January the 6th, on February 14th, yes. on you know every other day on the, exactly. the calendar. Now, as I mentioned, um, you are the pastor at Bethany Bible Church, a beautiful uh, setting, but more importantly, uh, a church where the gospel is being proclaimed and uh, God's word is preached on a regular basis. Uh, for listeners who may not have a church home and they're looking for some place to land uh, during the Christmas holiday. Tell us what you're doing at Bethany. Well, we are, uh, I should back up and say that our church looks like a Christmas ornament. It does. It does. It's it, beautiful. It, when it, we, we can't make the snow happen. Uh, it's happened a few times. We've had times when it snowed around the Christmas season, and I'm standing up there trying to preach, and I'm distracted. I'm looking out the window. I'm not paying attention. <laughs> I don't know what anybody else would be doing. But uh, we have a Christmas Eve service. We have a Christmas morning service which is pretty simple. We just uh, celebrate the Christmas season. We talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. We sing the Christmas carols. We're the, we're the, uh, the oldies but the goodies. And, uh, and then for our Christmas Eve service, uh, it's interesting that you have asked me to come and talk about this subject because even before I knew that was going to happen, we're going to talk about the different witnesses, the firsthand witnesses of the Christmas event. Talk about what Mary said. Talk about what Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, said. Talk about what the angels said. Talk about what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter uh, 7. We want to talk about what these witnesses said about the Lord Jesus. We're going to mingle it and mix it with Christmas carols. We're going to have wonderful old-fashioned candlelight service. Uh, We have fire extinguishers on hand because it's an (laughs) old building. Uh, But it's just... uh, I, I don't mean to uh, misuse this word in any way, but it, it's just a magical place. Mm-hmm. It's just a magical feel to see those candles lit, and we're singing Silent Night together, holding those candles, and, and uh, all the lights are low. And 
uh, it's just a wonderful time. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And uh, the Lord meets you there, which um, there's there's nothing that can compare to that. That's right. We're, we are expecting his special guest appearance. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I thank you so much. I know this is a busy season for you. And uh, when you're pastoring a church and teaching and all the other things that you do, I appreciate that you take the time to come all the way out here uh, to talk with us about Jesus. And I know that's your heart. That's what you do so well. And I just want to wish you and your beautiful wife, Marilyn, Merry Christmas. And again, thanks for coming. And Merry Christmas to you and Dan. And thank you so much for having me. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the second hour of The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to continue what's become something of a tradition in the days leading up to our celebration of Christmas. And we're going to talk with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. He's a senior pastor at Southwest Bible Church. He's also the teacher of the downtown Bible class. And we're going to take a look at what the scriptures have to say about Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, all of whom had a unique encounter with the angel Gabriel, who came and declared something to them that included, do not be afraid. Now, that certainly would have to have been the first thing I would have heard, because I either would have been running the opposite direction, or I would have fainted and have already given up the ghost. Well, Pastor uh, Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to be with you, Georgine. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. I so enjoy looking at various aspects of the Christmas story as we find it um, in the Gospels. And today I wanted to focus on Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds and the uh, unique encounters they had announcing what was coming. Now, they were all presumably good Jews. They would have uh, known what the uh, what the scriptures had taught about the coming of the Messiah. And yet, to be personally singled out to play a role in that story had to have been an overwhelming and almost unbelievable um, element of uh, for them of this story. I got to think so, and I agree with you. I've been marveling really this past season, just thinking about how many times God says, "Don't be afraid." Mm-hmm. Particularly these angelic these angelic uh, announcements, uh, because they had to be overwhelming in one sense. But the first words it seems like out of Gabriel's mouth were don't be afraid, and then he'd make these fabulous announcements. Now, if I could depart for just a moment, the angel is addressing Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and as you uh, pointed out, one of the first things that was said to each of them was, don't be afraid. We live in the 21st century, and if you spend more than three to five minutes listening to news headlines, reading a newspaper, watching 24-7 cable news, uh, it seems to me the first thing we would Um, rightly do is respond out of fear. What role does fear play today? Now, we're not we're not having a personal encounter with a messenger from heaven, um, but we are in an environment in which um, the natural response would be for us to to fear. What do you say, uh, particularly during this this Christmas season, um, we should do with fear and so much of what's going on around us that would elicit that kind of response? Yeah, no, I think that's an excellent question. I've actually been this this December since actually November the first Sunday after um, Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I made up a schedule for myself and our congregation, and we've been looking at each day, looking at prophecies of the Old Testament, and then their fulfillment in Jesus. And it's been rich in every sense of the word, and very much uh, helped me personally. Uh, concentrate on Jesus during this time, but one in particular that I ran into that just uh, was so surprising to me to just realize how how um, 
Oh, the the prophecies of old were this way too. The 35th chapter of Isaiah, I'm just turning to it here, uh, the passage where he, he says, uh, say to those with palpitating heart. Hmm. <laughs> and I said, I said, is anybody here cannot relate to that? <laughs> <laughs> and every every one of us, you know, like you said, you turn the news on and you want to turn it off. Uh, this world is a dark place without Jesus. But into this kind of darkness came the light. And these angels, of course, they uh, when they made these announcements, they, they're representing their messengers from God. But I love that statement, say to those with palpitating heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come. And then he goes on and speaks of what Jesus would do, opening the eyes of the blind and and uh, the lame will leap like a deer, and it's just, it almost reads like you're reading right out of the New Testament when Jesus would come into town and, and give a foreshadowing of the blessings of his kingdom. But I, I have to think that we shouldn't run from the fear in the sense of try to uh, pretend, you know, Christmas is a time oftentimes people just kind of try to make believe and, and just mm-hmm. escape the reality. But I think as believers, we can embrace the fact that this is a dark world, but into that darkness has come this great light, the Lord Jesus himself. Well, I think it really it highlights and enhances the need of that light when we not only see the darkness that was present during the time that God chose to send him, but in our own time. And we have the benefit mm-hmm. of hindsight because we have the, the scriptures, we have the Holy Spirit, we have the full testament of what um, what Christ has done for us. So we of all people in view of of the darkness that uh, we experience in our time ought to be people who are rejoicing and grateful because of what God has done and is doing. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I was, I've been listening to the music with a little more uh, ear for this sort of thing. And, and we, we sentimentalize sometimes, but, but really the, the Bethlehem that Jesus came to uh, was a place of fear and terror and just, Soon after the wise men came, why Herod sent his mm. his uh, soldiers there in a, in a wicked way that sounds just like out of our newspapers today. Yeah. So we can rejoice that the Lord Jesus came to deliver from that kind of thing. And actually, if I was asked one word that characterizes our day, I think I would maybe pick fear or anxiety or stress. And praise God, he sent his son to deliver us from our sin and the wages of sin, which is all those kinds of things, Yes. Uh, ultimately. We're going to take a quick break, but we will continue our conversation. Again, we're talking with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, they had a rather unusual encounter. We'll take a look in a moment. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 22 minutes after 5 o'clock. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Continuing a conversation with Scott Gilchrist. He's the pastor at Southwest Bible Church. He's also the teacher of the downtown Bible class. And later on, we want to let you know about their Christmas celebration that's coming up tomorrow as well. Now, we're focusing on Mary, Joseph, and the uh, and the shepherds who had... Uh, encounters with angels, looking at the uh, Gospel of Luke in the 26th um, verse, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin name, the virgin's name rather, was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, this is such a remarkable uh, encounter. For one thing, 
We don't know a whole lot about Mary, which tells you that most people didn't know much about Mary. She was a pretty obscure uh, young person, but she had been singled out by God. Yes, she had. And she, uh, I, was, I was pondering that very passage, and Gabriel came and, and told her, Hail, favored one. And she, we're told, was greatly troubled at this statement. Mm-hmm. And then he further told her, You're going to conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. He'll be great, and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Now, I, when I hear that, I thrill, uh, because we hear the, the great truth behind it, but Mary, her response was, how can this be, since I'm a virgin? And it's interesting that God had to announce to both Mary and Joseph, he was very clear that he was going to bring forth his son, born of a virgin. He'd said that way back in Isaiah, seven centuries earlier. And they were told both in Matthew's account and Luke's account, they were both just blown away by this because they had not come together. And he said, you're going to bear a son, you're going to conceive. And she said, how can this be? And I love what the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. God entered the human race through a virgin so that he was not tainted with Adam's sin. God did it in a supernatural way. I've been, uh, we were just blessed with another grandchild, and I've been marveling. Congratulations. Thanks, thanks. I've been just marveling at the the miracle of conception and birth, but of every birth. But here, the Lord promised centuries earlier that he would enter the human race through a virgin, and that's the one who we would call Emmanuel, God with us. And so, in this case, it seems to me the angel, uh, the big focus of the angel's announcement to Mary was to explain the, the majestic mystery of this greatest of all miracles. I love that in verse 27, the angel says to her, for no word from God will ever fail. This will come to pass. God is going to accomplish this. So this wasn't a suggestion. This wasn't, excuse me, a possibility. This is what is going to happen. And Mary, in her humble and lowly estate, I love the way she responds. And for me, this is perhaps one of the most profound uh, pieces of Scripture uh, a response to to God's call to his announcement from just a regular person that I think all of us ought to try to emulate. I do, too. I love that. She she submitted. She just said, let it be done to me according to your word. Uh, I was talking to someone this week who was taking God at his word, even though they they just were just clinging to his word, even though their circumstances weren't weren't ringing true. They took God at his word, and I just encouraged them that we never honor God more than when we take God at his word. And Mary's response, let it be done to me according to the word of God, is a beautiful, beautiful response. In, as you and I read this scripture, as you pointed out a moment ago, we're thinking about the promise that God had made to send a Messiah and the benefit we have derived because of his faithfulness. For Mary, in addition to all of that, because my guess is she was looking forward to the coming Messiah, mm-hmm. she's also thinking, I'm betrothed 
uh, to marry someone. I know the culture that I'm from. And when this announcement comes forward, my parents going to have a real hard time believing me, as are every, yeah. you know, everyone else in, in this community. So in light of all of that, the burden of what has just been announced, she says, nonetheless, she's the Lord's servant. May it be done to her according to uh, to the word that that God had um, had given she had to be a little bit fearful thinking about what does this mean for me personally, even though I'm willing to bear whatever that might mean, because God has come and, and revealed what his plan is. Yeah, the reality of, of God entering the human race, uh, he came to real people with real situations mm-hmm. just like you and me. And we know from Matthew's account that she rightfully would fear not only what her parents would say, what the village would say what everyone, but Joseph, and we know that Joseph, when he, when she was found to be with child, it says in Matthew, we have the, the, the statement of God's word. She was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit, but Joseph didn't know that. He just found her to be with child, and he, being a righteous man, desired to put her away secretly, uh, and that's when he got his angelic announcement. And the angel said, and I was thinking about it when you were on commercial break, that's the time that the angel said to him, do not be afraid. But his, his uh, fear or grief or pain mm-hmm. was not so much from the angel saying something, but he just had had his world shattered. And so he was going to put his betrothed away quietly. And that's when the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, Joseph, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so I agree with you. These are real people facing real-life situations, and just like uh, it's a little microcosm of God coming into the world to rescue people like you and me, that we face problems, we've got issues, and Jesus Christ came into this world to save us from those problems, those consequences of our sin. Uh, and ultimately to die on a cross for our sins. Now we read in the second uh, chapter of Luke that in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a a decree that a census uh, should be taken of the entire Roman world. And there were shepherds, skipping down to verse 8, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And that had to have been... A, a magnificent display, and it says they were terrified. But once again, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And once again, we find that the angel comes not to um, the palaces or the wealthy or the influential or the well-known, but to obscure people um, whose lives had been observed by God and had been singled out to play a part in this unfolding drama. Yeah, this one... uh of all three of these that we've looked at, I think this one, these shepherds were just blown away by the majestic. It says the glory of the Lord shone around them. And I don't think we we can begin to mm-hmm. imagine what that really is uh, and how fearsome that would be, how terrifying, as it says. You know, we know they were terrified, and it makes those words, don't be afraid, all the more beautiful. And then I love this one, because their statement, the angels say, that, you know, don't be afraid, behold, I've got 
a gospel for you. I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for people in Portland, <laughs> you know, for all the people. I, I am just, I, that is one of my favorite texts. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to continue our conversation, but we need to take a quick break. Again, we're talking with Scott Galechrist. He's the pastor of Southwest Bible Church. He's also the teacher of the Downtown Bible Class. And by the way, we want to let you know about uh, what's happening tomorrow at Downtown Bible Class with their special Christmas program. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. 36 minutes after 5 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Pastor Scott Gilchrist has joined me. We're talking about Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, all of whom had extraordinary encounters with angels. In the second chapter of Luke, we learn in the ninth verse that an angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were terrified. In verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom favor rests. What a remarkable announcement, and what an extraordinary display. Yeah, I, that angels joined with a, you know, a whole host of angels singing, and I think it, uh, it puts God's stamp of why we sing so much this mm-hmm. time of year. When we think of this great miracle that God would care, that God would love enough to send His Son into this race, and save us from our sin. No wonder we sing. And the music, I mean, the angels were singing, and and we're going to get to join them someday. But in the meantime, these great songs, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Angels We've Heard on High, you know, Angels from the Realms of Glory. A lot of the Christmas music really just uh, approximates the best we can do, I think, to, Mm -hmm. to sing with the angels, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I love this picture of a heavenly host uh, appearing with that angel praising God and, and uh, saying glory to God. Now, we live in the 21st century. At the time these angels appeared in the heavens, um, Israel was under Roman rule. Caesar Augustus had issued a decree. There was not peace in that land. And in our own land, as we once again, we look at the headlines and the uh, the uh, saber rattling from one place to another. We're not seeing peace in our land. And I think a lot of people misunderstand what is it that these angels are declaring when they say peace on earth to, to uh, those on whom his favor rests. Can you explain that lest we sing the carol and not fully understand what it is that is being promised here? Yeah, I think, don't let me not come back to this, but they're speaking about peace on earth someday. But in the meantime, uh, you know, we long for peace on earth, but the human heart's deepest need is peace with our Maker. And so Jesus came uh, the first time to die on a cross so that we might have peace with God. He reconciled us to God by taking our sin and paying for it. And that peace is the foundation for the joyous inner peace that, Christ followers experience today. We've got the peace that surpasses all comprehension. I I uh, can't underline that enough because many of your listeners right now are wondering, how could I have that peace? And it is through faith in Jesus Christ. And when you put your faith in Him, He not only enters your life, but He takes away the sin and the guilt. And you have, the Scripture says, Romans 5, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ 
made peace through the blood of his cross, Colossians 1.20. So that peace is foundational. But I also would underline that the angels meant what they said, and the Old Testament prophets meant what they said when they said there will be peace on earth. When Jesus returns, this isn't the way this world is going to end uh, in chaos and uh, like you said, lack of peace uh, in our world mm-hmm. today. There's constant tension. The world Jesus entered the first time was that way. It's still that way. But when he comes back, he's setting things right, and he will come, and he will be the Prince of Peace. And so a lot of the Christmas music, again, uh, enters into that prophetic nature that uh, a lot of the Old Testament prophecies you know, would point both to his first coming and his second coming, that text that I quoted earlier in Isaiah 35, for those of palpitating heart, don't fear, God is coming. Well, that chapter, it's about 10 or 12 verses, that chapter speaks of the blossoming of the desert and the, the millennial yes. kingdom that will be a joyous thing to see peace on earth. And a lot of our, a lot of our hymns say the same thing, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And no more let thorns and thistles grow. I mean, it's, it isn't just poetry. It's just as true as the fact that Jesus came and healed the lame and opened the eye, blind, blinded eyes. Why, well, he's coming again, and he'll set things right. And the Scripture says he's going to rule with a rod of iron. It won't be a, a fearsome kind of uh, despotic kind of a thing, but he will rule in firm righteousness and grace, the personification of of the character of God. And so uh, peace is rightfully talked a lot about uh, at Christmas because uh, he is the Prince of Peace. But I know what you mean. A lot of people say, well, yeah, but why isn't there peace? Uh, Well, there will be when he comes back. Yes, there is for those of us who know him and have trusted in him, and there will be a broader peace when he comes finally to reign. One of the things I appreciate about the shepherds is they say, you know, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which (laughs) the Lord uh, has told us about. And they make their way uh, to where Mary and Joseph and the baby um, are. The baby is lying in a manger. And um, it says in verse 17 that when they had seen him, and I'm sure they spent time there and speaking with uh, Mary and Joseph, they went out and they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, speaking to not only uh, the parents, but others who would listen. And it seems to me that's part of what we should be doing during this Christmas season as well, that we need to spread the word concerning um, what we what we know to be true through our relationship with Christ and what we know to be true in uh, celebrating not only his first coming, but anticipating his uh, his return. Boy, I couldn't agree more. It's it's just the pattern of the scripture. When you when you come to know Jesus, you you want to talk about him and tell others. And this season actually uh, is full of opportunities yes. because people are celebrating. But lots of people, most people, I'd have to say tragically, don't really know what they're celebrating or who they're celebrating. And so I think it it affords us who know the Lord uh, many opportunities to tell people why we have joy, why we have peace, and why we're celebrating. I was, uh, just Saturday, I was at the graveside of a dear friend of mine's son who was Mm, killed in a tragic car accident, and I watched him respond with faith in his whole family and trust in the Lord, and hundreds of people at that memorial service 
saw the reality of this peace that we're talking about that Jesus Christ gives. So our lives can certainly reflect that, and our words should tell people why we have that peace. You know, the Scripture says, give an account for the hope that is in you. In a in a world that you mentioned earlier, the news is not hopeful, yeah. and the, the news is not news of peace. It's news of bitterness and turmoil and warfare and problems. People would rightfully ask, how can you have such peace? And uh, we who know the Lord, we have opportunity to explain. And this season, lots and lots of easy opportunities, yeah. it seems to me, to point to Jesus. People are a little more open. One other opportunity I want to mention is the Downtown Bible Class is inviting uh, visitors to celebrate the Christmas holiday season. That's coming up tomorrow, December 20th, at the Portland Art Museum from noon to 1245. There's a complimentary buffet lunch, Christmas music, a message uh, that uh, Senior Pastor Scott Gilchrist will bring. And this is a great opportunity to bring someone from work, or if you have questions about um, Christmas, you're looking for some fellowship and time to celebrate. I appreciate it that it's uh, from noon to 12:45, so people can fit that into their lunch hour. Um, and it, it, uh, you have about 150, 250 people come. Yeah, I would say we'll probably have 250 to 350 tomorrow, and it's just, uh, it's a great time. It's in the ballroom at the art museum, and we have a wonderful celebration. It's one of my favorite events mm-hmm. of the of this season. So I'd invite any of your listeners to walk over to the Art Museum or drive downtown and join us in the Grand Ballroom tomorrow. Uh, The program, you can come at noon and get your food, but the program will be from 12.15 to 12.45, and uh, we're going to celebrate this Jesus we've been talking about. Again, that's uh, from noon to 12.45, complimentary buffet lunch, Christmas music, and a great message from the gospel, a perfect place to bring a colleague or a client. Pastor Scott, Merry Christmas, and thank you so much once again for taking time to talk with us about Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Georgine. It's great to visit with you. Thank you so much. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the final segment of the Georgine Rice Show. Hey, I'd like to invite you to join us for a fun-filled, refreshing evening with the girls. I'm referring to Thrive, a girls' night out. It's a chance for you to be refreshed and empowered to take on the new year. This year's Thrive event will be held at the elegant Gray Gables Estate in Milwaukee. You can enjoy gourmet dinner, dessert, hear encouraging stories of faith from, well, ladies from KPDQ and 1041 The Fish, all with a laid-back feeling of being your, your best friend's living room. Uh, Crystal Thornton will be speaking, Cat Taylor, and others. I look forward to emceeing the event. That's coming Coming up on Saturday, January 27th, again at Gray Gables Estate here in Milwaukee. Doors open at 5.30. The event begins at 6. Dinner and a program. Come join us. And in fact, I want to give away two pair of tickets to Thrive right now to callers 2 and 3. Okay? Two pair of tickets, callers 2 and 3. And the number to call, 800-845-2162. 800-845-2162. Come, bring a friend, have a great time, kick your shoes off. We're going to have a hoot. We're going to kick off the new year in real style.
Well, we're on the home stretch as we're anticipating the celebration of Christmas Day. We've been in Advent, and many of us have focused our attention on various aspects of the story. And uh, in this effort to focus our attention on what really matters, I wanted to share with you three simple prayers that you can use on your journey from a gift-centered to a Christ-centered life. They'll help you appreciate God's gift and submit to His providence as you tear down the idols that lurk in our hearts. And sometimes those idols are, are found in the things that occupy our time and attention during this season. In and of themselves, nothing wrong. But if they take too much of our focus, then we need to reexamine what we're doing. Number one, Lord, help me to receive your gifts gratefully. Every good gift comes from the Lord. So as God gives you friends, a job, money, family, or any other gift that brings you comfort, blessing, and joy, receive it from his hands with thanksgiving and let it be a source of of praise, even in the midst of our busy activity. Number two, Lord, help me to hold your gifts lightly. God's gifts are gifts. They're not rights. Confusing gifts with rights opens the door to bitterness and resentment. Gifts come from God. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away and nothing in this life or in this world lasts forever. So hold the gifts that he gives you lightly. Appreciate and enjoy them while they are yours. And the gifts may pass. The giver, however, will remain. Finally, Lord, help me to love you more than I love your gifts. It's uh, it's easy to love God as um, as he gives us the things that we long for. But our goal really ought to be to love him, whether or not he gives us the things that we we want or think we uh, we need. You know, there were those who followed Jesus because, well, he fed them. But there was so much more to his ministry. Let us not be like them. You do not want to spend your life as an idolater. So aim to take down the idols, not by loving God's gifts less, but by loving Christ more. And grow in love for Christ by savoring his amazing love for you. In the absence of everything else, that in and of itself ought to be enough for our love for him to continue to expand and grow. Just some things to focus on as we reflect on the giver rather than the gift. And in this season, it might help us along the way. Micah 5, 2 verses 4 and 5 says this, but as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be a ruler in Israel, his goings forth and from long ago, from the days of eternity. And he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God. And and they will remain because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. And this one will be your peace. Well, he is our peace. And in the midst of all of the um, controversy that surrounds us uh, virtually 24-7, everything has become a controversy. We can look to him, the one who has been, has become, and is our peace as we're celebrating uh, his birth. Now, just taking a look at the remainder of this week, I'm so looking forward to tomorrow as I was today. Tomorrow, we're going to talk with Dr. Michelle Watson. We're focusing our attention on the first chapter of Luke. Uh, we're going to emphasize Mary's response to God's announcement and his call um, and the... Uh, the context in which she responded, which is really quite amazing. Dr. Michelle uh, will also uh, focus on uh, the birth and the announcement of John the Baptist, his his parents and uh, the work of the Holy Spirit and the lives of all of these characters that uh, led up to the celebration that we uh, will be focusing on 
uh, this, uh, what is it, Monday. This Monday is Christmas. Wow, is it that close? Have you already gotten my gift there, James? Kind of a blank look. Uh, anyway, we're also going to talk with Pastor Rich Jones. Uh, our focus will be God's promised Messiah, what the prophets foretold. And it's such a fascinating thing to think this wasn't just an afterthought. God was sitting around one day and thought, oh, maybe I'll just do this today. This was planned from the very beginning, and he left a reliable record for generations who would never see the coming of the Christ Uh, but who would benefit because of the sufficiency of his grace. So we're looking forward to talking with Pastor Rich uh, when he joins me on Monday to discuss uh, God's promised Messiah and what the prophets foretold. And then on Thursday, uh, what has become something of a tradition, I think we've done it one other time, this will be our second time around, we're calling it the Rice Family Christmas Radio Show. I've invited Dan Rice to join me in studio. We'll have some conversation about uh, Christmas traditions. We'll share some scripture, some of our favorite Christmas music. Dan has a special story that he wants to share with you as well. We're just going to have a great time, so I hope you can join us on Thursday. It will be my last live broadcast of 2017, as we will continue with another tradition on Friday with Focus on the Family, A Christmas Carol. They do such a great job retelling that story that once again helps us in a different context put into perspective what really matters most. So that will be on Friday from 4 to 6, the Focus on the Family, A Christmas Carol. And then the following week, of course, is Christmas, and we uh, have been given Tuesday uh, off as as a holiday. Is that right? James, I got that right. Uh, And I've taken the uh, remainder of that week off to just uh, rest and hopefully recuperate. I've I've been battling with my throat for weeks now. I think I'm officially either into the fifth or sixth week, and I'm hoping some vocal rest will uh, help to uh, get this frog out of my throat and stop the coughing. That has been a real challenge for me uh, for many, many weeks. So looking forward to taking some uh, some much needed time off to rest, kind of I'll pull things together and anticipate the coming of the new year. So uh, in the following week, we will share with you a couple of Christmas specials, of course, on Christmas Day, but also the best of the Georgine Rice show so far. And in the second half of the year, we've gleaned some of our most uh, favorite um, uh, interviews, and we'll share those with you for that week. Well, we're just about out of time. I do want to thank Clark Hilton for engineering today's program. James Blind for engineering a portion of today's program and producing all of today's show. And uh, thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. I also want to extend a special thank you to our special guests, Greg Allen and Pastor uh, Scott, both pastors, of course, Greg Allen at Bethany Bible Church, Scott Gilchrist at um, Southwest Bible Church. And keep in mind the downtown Bible class is meeting at the Portland Art Museum that's coming up tomorrow. As I leave you, may this new year bring us closer to the one who gives life, the one who sustains life, the one who grants new life, and the one who opens the door to eternal life by laying down of his own life. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.